G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And an important conversation coming through this hour and you might think, I'm doing it tough right now and if you're not doing it tough right now, there might be someone in your family, someone who's a work colleague, could be a next door neighbour who is doing it tough right now and I'm not talking about doing it tough necessarily just on a financial level but there's lots of dimensions to our lives that can get out of balance right now the health and economic crisis that's gripping Australia and the world is very difficult to deal with just this week we saw just how far the federal government is prepared to go to help Australians under pressure from the COVID recession Health effects of the pandemic are only one dimension to the wider effects on each of us as individuals and our families. What was bearable before the crisis has for so many become unbearable. Things have been disturbed and brought to light many of the vulnerabilities that we often can carry in so many of the dimensions of our lives. So how do we hold things together? Knowing that God wants the best for us, holding tight to hope in the one who is greater than all of our problems. We know that we have a spirit, a heart, a mind, a body, and we are social people. And all of these elements are supposed to work together. So today, opening a conversation about the whole person and what to do when important dimensions of our lives take a hit. And who better to talk about these sorts of things with than Dr. John Warlow, who's an adult child and family psychiatrist and is the developer of what's known as the Christian Wholeness Framework. His passion is Christian wholeness, taking the whole gospel to the whole person. And John Warlow, a special welcome along to 2020. Neil, lovely to be with you again. Thanks very much. When we talk about the whole person, let's just get a bit of context here. And uh, I mentioned uh, those dimensions, spirit, heart, mind, body, the fact that we are social individuals. Uh, Those things can be thrown out of balance really easily, John. I think people listening will really identify with some of the areas in the whole of their life which might actually be sinking, as it were, uh, under the water level, whether it's socially or physically, their health, the way they do things, their thinking and their mind and even their emotions. And I'm just hoping and praying that, yeah, today will be a real encouragement to those listeners who are actually struggling in any one or a lot of those areas. And who knows where our conversation might go. But I think at the beginning of our conversation, this is not a conversation where we're trying to dig up things for people who might have been feeling good and all of a sudden, oh, those guys on the radio are trying to make me feel bad. But there's so many people who may be around us. I mentioned whether it's a neighbor or a family member, a work colleague, and sometimes you can notice that there's stuff that they are really going through and they're under tremendous pressure. Uh, There's something in this conversation, not only for the person who is under this sort of 
recognition of vulnerabilities, but those around us. I'm always, you know, certainly uh, impressed to know that when we have these sorts of things we'll talk about today, we become a little bit more equipped to be able to keep a close eye on those around us. And I think the best way of getting equipped, Neil, is actually firstly looking at ourselves. And I hope that for everyone listening individually, that this will be a real blessing to them so that, so that they can then go out and actually touch others and lift them up. Okay, and I'm always encouraged when I'm talking to someone so well qualified as you are because uh, we'll say Dr. John Warlow, a mind expert. That's what psychiatrists are. You deal with people and their issues with the mind. And oftentimes we'll talk about a battle of the mind. There is a battle of the mind and there's further battles as well. There's a battle of the mind, and indeed Paul talks about it in Corinthians, saying that we've got to take every thought captive uh, to obey Christ. And I want this time to be a place where people, listeners, can take their thoughts uh, captive. But, yeah, not just the mind, but in their hearts as well, every part and in their spiritual life, just really uh, to be able to manage well with some resilience this time of crisis. Interesting, isn't it, that we can sort of easily understand that there's a battle for our minds and a lot of listeners to this program recognize that the sorts of things we talk about are an alternative way that we can think about the things that are going on. Sometimes we think about the mind as just that thinking part of us. But when we're talking about this battle for the heart, uh, the battle for the spirit, these things are a little bit, you know, um, to use a certain terminology, airy-fairy, ethereal. Uh, These are a little bit different and a little bit more difficult to understand. People with a uh, battle of the heart, which is deeper than the mind, will be going through times of discouragement, times of confusion, times of aloneness and shame. And this broadcast can really be helpful there. And even deeper than the heart is the spirit, the place where the God who is with us and in us. And there is indeed a massive battle for the heart. Paul talks about this. Hey, there is a spiritual warfare. Uh, Stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. How? By taking on what God's given us. And you know, this week in the federal budget, and listeners will be aware that billions of dollars, mind-boggling amounts of money have been sewn into the economy and there's a certain sense in which you can see uh, the treasurer and the prime minister saying if we can just keep people afloat financially that'll get them through uh, the crisis they're going through until they get a job again and things sort of seem to settle down and they've got money to pay the bills and things come together. What we're talking about today takes us into, as you say, a deeper dimension. And this is where, as a Christian, there is really powerful stuff to share. It's so good, Neil. We don't have to wait or even rely totally on the government. We ourselves can do something about it. It's within our hands to be able to bring our whole lives, our social, our physical, our mind, our heart, our cent- the central part of our life, our spirit, and actually really be able to face these and to be able to uh, bring resilience and health and healing in these areas. John, just a little earlier on, and I do want to just cut to the chase. Uh, we don't want to sugarcoat the conversation today. Uh, some alarming figures uh, that while we might often hear of suicide figures, 
that give us the actual numbers for suicide. Uh, there's alarming figures that say as many as 65,000 Australians attempted suicide. Every year that happens. And anecdotally, those numbers are up. In fact, just recently I was hearing of numbers that were coming from uh, funeral directors. And that's right on the cutting edge there. Uh, Funeral directors who are saying, and this of course is anecdotal evidence, that says suicides truly are on the rise and this affects everyone in the communities around us. So just cutting to the chase here, uh, suicide is, I guess, the the ultimate end for someone who has got an imbalance in these areas. Your thoughts here on just how serious a conversation like this might be for some today? This conversation, Neil, might be life-changing. It might be life-gaining because there are people here today who are going to be suiciding. Suicide is a real thing. It is the primary cause of death in a young male adult in Australia, even more than road traffic accidents. And so this is a real thing. And uh, we're hoping and praying that today uh, for yourself, for your family, uh, for anyone you know, you'll be able to help them, even if they're starting to approach uh, suicide. And there there are ways, there are people for help. John, what happens when the crisis comes? And no doubt uh, for different people in different scenarios, there are going to be different triggers uh, for bringing the crisis into our lives. Uh, Mentioned in the introduction, you know, sometimes we were facing crises before COVID came along. And now that COVID has come along and uh, issues with the economy and our jobs and our relationships It exacerbates those things. So what happens when the crisis comes? When the crisis comes, one of the first things which happen is in that social part of us. Our relationships don't go so well. We're coping in ways of either fighting or just withdrawing. And there's the social side, which we need so much, especially in the home setting, where especially if people have been in isolation, can really struggle. And that's one of the first things to start to go under. And is it even more important when we're coming from perhaps a different cultural setting? You're you're perhaps someone who has moved to Australia and you've got your own community of contacts, but you're not in the mainstream style culture. What about culture? What about gender? Do these things play a role? I think culture and gender are really important uh, with this uh, in terms of capacity to connect. I think men and guys, we really need to actually work on our capacity for connection. And yep, women also need to go deeper with culture. Some cultures, if you if they are here in Australia. With um, yeah, with their communities around them, and we've got a lot to learn from the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders here. Um, then that's great, but it's those cultures when they're alone. For example, they're here in Australia without much sense of community around them. Then it's going to hurt so much more. John, in one day you may be feeling fabulous. The next day you might be 
at the other end of the spectrum. I'm not sure how all this works. Uh, you're the expert here. Uh, some people will be saying, well, I have good days, I have bad days. Some days I'm really, really struggling. Other days I'm feeling fine. Is this normal? It is normal, and I think what's really helpful, and hey, I'm a psychiatrist, no, you're not my patient, I don't think, uh, but I, I do ask my patients um, every time I see them, and I ask myself as well, on a zero to ten scale, where am I? Zero is, well, I might as well end it all, I might as well uh, suicide, ten is where I'm going fine, five is average uh, and managing, and sometimes I, I what I ask people is, hey, Jen, Generally, on average, where are you at? Where have you been in the last two weeks? I'm asking you right now, those who are listening, where have you been at in the last two to four weeks on average? And then I'm going to ask you, what's been your best and what's been your worst? And I think, Neil, if there's been a real uh, instability there, that makes it all the harder, firstly. And lastly, the thing is, if there's watch the trend, watch the trend, compare yourself now on that scale to where you think you could have been maybe pre-COVID. Are you going down, same level, or going up? Really important. And interesting self-diagnosis there, and uh, that's so simple. People might be thinking this is complicated. You say, well, a scale of 1 to 10, where are you on there? A zero is really bad. Uh, 10, you'd be sort of, you know, flying high, uh, absolutely fabulous. We're all going to be on that spectrum somewhere. Uh, but the interesting thing in here is that is this a sort of conversation you can have in your own family too? Can you say, is this an easy one to say, uh, you know, scale of one to ten, how are you feeling today? And if someone says, I'm down to about two or three, uh, then you might be a little bit concerned. I think two or three below that uh, really start thinking of the GP the general practitioner, going to the family doctor. And yes, we are all on that level, and I think it's really helpful. Some of your kids or your partner, your spouse might be saying, don't do that zero to 10 thing on me again. Just keep it in your own mind. Try and work out where that person is at in any part of their life. They might be going well in some parts, but in some other parts might be really struggling. Uh, one of those initiatives, uh, which I think has been very good, has been the Are You OK Day. Uh, that was a month or two back, I think. Uh, that sort of question, how do you approach that? Is that a, a way you can use that even a, as a Christian uh, just to just assess how things are going in the family, in those uh, wider family, neighbourhood, uh, workplaces? Uh, is that something that is useful for Christians to use too? Yeah, and this is something, not trying to be too arrogant here, Neil, but this is something better than are you okay question. Really good from a marketing point of view, but it is that entry question to someone that knock on the door how are you now there's a problem to that because often we say hey how are you going and just walk on by this is really a more serious knock on the door how are you or where are you at where are you going um, is such a helpful entry open-ended non-leading question let me ask you about being a Christian here, about experiencing the presence of God in the pain and the challenge and the vulnerabilities that you might recognize here. 
Is there something that we can rely on uh, or is there something simple but profound that we ought to be doing as believers to bring God into the circumstance if we're going through this hard time? One of the biggest things we can be doing, and uh, right now as you listen to this, just whatever's going on in your life, uh, it's nearly as simple and as profound as this. Just bring it to Jesus now. Bring it to him, whether it's good or bad, whether it's right or wrong. Just come to him. Allow him to come into that situation. There is no place too dark for God to be. Is it therapeutic to even have that very brief and simple prayer? Uh, I mean, some people are saying, oh, I'm not sure my faith in God is big enough for all of this. And what's God going to do? What can he do in my circumstance? Just the simple prayer that brings God into the circumstance. What does that do? It's for, for the person who says, I haven't got enough faith. Just bring that to Jesus. And what it does is this. You are no longer alone. You are no longer alone, even in your lack of faith. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Wonderful to have you with us. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our very special guest is psychiatrist Dr. John Warlow, and we are talking through some of those deeper issues, deeper than the government having some level of control over whether you feel right as a whole person. Uh, we're talking into this a spiritual basis as well. And so our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You can respond to that question too on our Facebook post today, 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. In fact, John, before we go any further, uh, why don't we take a call? Lee is on the line from Cardwell in North Queensland. Hello, Lee. Welcome. Yes. Good morning, Neil and Dr. John. Great to hear from you. Lee, what are your thoughts today? Well, uh, I'm sort of locked into the who I am in Christ from the Bible thing, Neil, and uh, whatever circumstances come along, I don't feel challenged or put down or whatever, and I find that it is a constant uh, boost to my self-esteem and to my day's activities. Things like, greater is Jesus in me than he who is in the world. I'm a winner, I'm not a loser, Uh, and there's so many more, but my poor memory's not... (laughs) Not bringing them to life, but I think you get the idea. You know what? Uh, learning some of those verses, uh, you know, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You learn some of those things and you learn them off by heart sometimes as a young Christian. And don't they hold so true when the problems of life come along? Uh, John Warlow, what are your thoughts for Lee? Uh, Lee, brilliant. And as a psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist, this, the whole thing of who I am is so central. It actually looks at who we are, our purpose, our value, uh, our values and so on. And absolutely, it then affects in a God-centered way our self-esteem. We can have God-centered self-esteem, just like you mentioned, which then affects, yeah, goes right through to, as what you say, our activities. How good is that? Boy, you must have been reading a bit of Paul on who I am in Christ, his favorite thing, a bit on James, letting our faith come out in our activities. Go for it, Lee. 
Well, Dr. John, I'm, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Hey, great. And Lee, I get any higher up the ladder than that. Good stuff. <laughs> Lee, you're an encouragement. You're an inspiration. Thanks so much for your call today. Thanks, Neil. God bless. Bye. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. And just before we move on, uh, really powerful stuff here. Because what we have allowed to shape us, and we talk about a battle of the mind, what we allow uh, to shape us when times are good uh, actually pays a dividend when times are bad. And uh, learning those very basic Bible scriptures holds us in good stead, John. I found that in my own life, Neil, is memorizing scriptures when I was younger has just been such a helpful thing. Uh, standing on the Word of God and uh, absolutely, uh, and uh, when Lee talks about who I am in Christ as that anchoring central aspect of his life, it reminds me, frankly, of my favorite scripture, which um, for me is so holistic, so uh, relevant and aligned with modern-day psychiatry, and it's the metaphor of the vine in John 15, that who we are in Christ, that we are a branch of his. We are actually rooted and grounded, as it says in Ephesians 3, in his love. And what stability, what strength does that bring? Beautiful stuff, the sap in the vine flowing into the branches. So when you are connected to God, it's that godliness that flows through the sap into the branch and we're connected to God. And so there's a strength in that. It's a massive strength in that. Sorry, Neil. Um, and, uh, but, and even God said, however, that it's not good for man to be alone. It's like that that is central, but it actually, this is not being heretical, it's not enough. Okay, and interesting, when we talk about, uh, you know, it's good for man not to be alone, we often think about that in the context of a marriage. But when you said earlier, call on the Lord, invite Jesus in, because the moment you do that, you're not alone. There is a spiritual flow of the presence of God into your situation. And that's central to our being and to our heart. And then if you uh, can li- can actually share what you're going through with one other person who loves you and who knows you, you're in a much more secure place in that triangle of God, someone else, and yourself. John, let's talk some more about the sorts of things. We mentioned a scale, you know, uh, check yourself here, self-diagnosis. Are you at risk? Uh, said, check yourself a uh, scale one to ten. If you're below three, uh, get some help. And you even said, uh, first port of call, go and see your general practitioner because uh, they are. And I think uh, off the air, I think you said they're like the conductor of the orchestra. If you come and present that you've got a, an issue right now, you're really struggling, you're feeling vulnerable, and there is a physical. Uh, medicinal need, uh, those sorts of things, then your GP is going to have some wonderful things for you to go to. Let's talk about some of the other things, and not far out of news, but when you're not sleeping well or when your mind is racing, uh, you're under this pressure, uh, what other sort of uh, scenarios can you see people under that are facing these sorts of stresses? Uh, so many, Neil. Before the news, it's going to be hard. But, uh, the yeah, your health is going down, your 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 social life is changing, uh, you're not sleeping, uh, you're actually putting on weight or 
wh- whatever, um, your, your thinking is out of control and your mood is changing and that the core you're feeling is really discouraged, disheartened and alone. Those are some of the major things to be looking at. And we'll unpack some more of these after the news, uh, but at the same time, a little bit of context here too, John, because uh, we can be have a, having a bad day, we can feel angry, we can have a bad mood. Uh, that doesn't necessarily signal a, a mental uh, health issue here. Uh, some of these things are normal, and uh, it was, you, you can't necessarily feel like you're going to feel wonderful every moment of the day. Uh, give a little bit of context here. Sure, and I think what we're aiming for is is to be high up on those numbers, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's just not a matter of being um, how low we are. It's not. It's mental health, in my view, is a very positive thing. It's how can we grow up and go up into higher numbers. And if there are parts of our lives which are below the two or three, yeah, we certainly do need to be sharing that with others. Dr. John Warlow is our guest, adult, child and family psychiatrist. We're talking about the whole person today. John, as we get this part of our conversation underway just come back to these elements that are supposed to work together again I mentioned spirit heart mind the physical and the social aspects if one of those goes down is it the the case that all of them are at risk how does this all work the way it works, and as, as a psychiatrist, I see this daily, is that any part of our life affects another, for better or for worse. And this is so biblical as well. In Thessalonians, Paul prays that your whole of your self, spirit, uh, soul, and body, uh, will be kept um, uh, sanctified, uh, set apart for Jesus uh, till the till the last time. And God made us this way. And it's really important at these times that we don't just look out, look out to the government or what might be happening, but also we actually um, look into ourselves, what's going on inside of us, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, and spiritually as well. You know, we approach these things from a Christian perspective. We talk about applying a biblical understanding to when these things are upset. And we actually talk about simple things, like you mentioned, you know, asking Jesus into the circumstance, inviting God into the circumstance that you're going through. That sounds like, for some people, too simple because when we start to unpack all of these different dimensions of our lives, this is really complicated. This is really complex. And yet, this profound simpleness of inviting God in makes a difference in so many of these areas. It does, Neil. And the spiritual part of our life, while it is the central part of our life, is not the whole of our life. And every part of our life can actually be affected for better, for worse. And we need to address those uh, in physical ways, in psychological ways, uh, as well as social ways, in addition to the centrality of, yeah, having Jesus being central in our lives. Uh, I want to get into some practical ways that we can understand how to guard these elements of our lives because, uh, you know, there's a certain sense in which uh, uh, prevention is better than cure. And so uh, prevention will be an important important thing here to keep ourselves strong when the challenges come with the COVID crisis in whatever way we might be being affected. But just before we do, a little bit of an aside, and this uh, a caller called through, didn't want to talk on the air. I've got a note here. Uh, they wanted to talk about, and this takes us off on a little bit of a tangent, so we won't spend a lot of time, but can you talk about OCD 
uh, and possible help or treatments. Uh, the person in question has a child with OCD who's struggling with uh, and is fearful of God's judgment. Now, that's an interesting one. Uh, maybe a thought or two on that particular issue? Thank you. Three things. Uh, three things. One is OCD is one of the most tormenting mental health issues there is. Uh, take your child to the GP. You may have already done that. Go and see a child psychologist and a child psychiatrist if you can, firstly. Secondly, when you are with the child, when you're with the child, and this is for anyone and everyone, not just if there's OCD around, but anyone who's struggling, uh, just connect with, with your child and understand your child. Try not to fix them. The title of uh, my trilogy is Cure, C-U-R-E for life. In other words, connect with your child and understand your child before you respond, C-U-R. Uh, and then E is engage other help. And finally, what an opportunity to repress into God's mercy and grace. That's why we're Christians. We are, there is the issue of God's judgment, and uh, we, we uh, can fall on, into his hands at his mercy, and just an opportunity in some ways as well to resharpen up our awareness of God's grace and mercy. Is this a temptation that people fall into when they recognize that someone in their family close to them has a mental health issue? Uh, they want to offer all sorts of uh, diagnosis and uh, and solutions, and they want to be the one who delivers those. And so uh, that idea, as you say, don't try to fix them. There's a temptation, isn't there, that we want to try and fix people, uh, takes it out of our fixing uh, capacity when we invite God in because we expect God is going to do some things to fix us. But uh, but there's a temptation here. And what, what's, what are your thoughts for people who, who might be saying, well, you know, I've got all these people going through some struggles, I'm telling them what they should do to get out of it, but they're not listening to me. Give us some insight here, John. I think this is a temptation for absolutely all of us, and us guys are probably worse at it. We love fixing things um, rather than connecting and understanding, and that's why the uh, acronym CURE, C-U-R-E, is so important. Connect and understand before you respond. In fact, if you connect and understand, you're half the way there, 50% of the way there, and then you're going to be able to be able be able to help the person so much better in terms of your responses. Okay, let's move on here. Uh, when we talk about, you know, are there practical things you can do uh, to preserve or guard those elements? You know, we're talking about our spirit, our mind, our body, our heart, uh, the social aspects of our being. Uh, are there ways that we can guard those elements uh, when there's challenges like happening now in COVID? I think they are, and uh, there are these ways to guard all of those parts of our life. Uh, the social, the physical, the psychological, our heart and our spirit. And indeed, in the Bible, it says, guard your heart, for from it flows the streams of life. And we should absolutely do this, and there are ways to do this. Okay, uh, guarding your heart. Now, there's an interesting thing here because we talked about all those different elements and most people will tend to talk about the mind as being the thing that needs guarding most. Is the heart more important than the mind? The heart is more important and undergirds the mind. 
Okay. Uh, A caller called through and said, uh, is there an alternative option rather than just going to a GP because uh, they just hand out antidepressants and are very problematic? Just uh, to uh, backtrack just a few minutes uh, when we said uh, first port of call, if you're feeling like you're really under the weather and things are really tough right now, I mean, great listening to John Warlow on the radio, but you said go to your GP. Uh, If a GP is just likely to hand out antidepressants, uh, is that a problem? What, uh, What are your thoughts here? Thank you so much for such a helpful uh, question. And yeah, the GP, while they're the conductor of the orchestra, the orchestra there being in a way the medical world, um, there are absolutely other people we should go to. Uh, Do you have one other person who loves and knows you? In other words, a friend, someone in the family would ideally be the first port of call. Secondly, whoa, what an opportunity now, Neil, for the church to be so involved um, uh, in in people's lives. And if there's someone in in your local church community you can go to um, and be with where you can be real and also be cared for, fantastic but and then even on to some ministries and some books and maybe some radio broadcasts like 2020 and uh, vision radio and so on can absolutely be part of the whole structure around us above all uh, is god the the primary source of from whom we get our life and i know from previous conversations we do love to say just how strong it can be when you've got those relationships in church life uh, when you've got a pastor who is able to understand the circumstance you're going to and uh, I've certainly had feedback from listeners who've said uh, you know my pastor hasn't got a clue about any of these things and people in my church they just don't seem to understand where I'm at and so not every church is going to be equipped here and uh, I'm just being real here and and for listeners who are saying oh, what are you saying uh, that the church is not equipped? Well, lots of people in church are not equipped, but we're talking about some simple but profound things that people can do. And uh, but, but when someone has got a, a really deep issue, looking for some understanding, looking for some compassion, uh, sometimes they're not finding that in their local church. Any, any thoughts for those people? Yeah, um, two things. One is this is a call to the church uh, to walk those steps of God-centered transformation, for the church to be able to connect with other people, to understand and just ask the question, hey, how are you? How are you? And what's that like for you? Such an important call to the church, such an important time of opportunity for the church now, firstly. Uh, secondly, um, uh, absolutely. For those people where, hey, you find that in the church you just cannot get the, what you need. Just notice the difference there is, sadly, a difference between the church and God. <laughs> the church is not God. However, we should be uh, the body of Christ. Uh, but uh, try not to delete God just because you're struggling with the, with the church. Um, go to him. Uh, use some of the songs which are struggling songs like um, the song Oceans or some of the hymns which are just written under the water. Uh, go to those and uh, to the scriptures and be open to the God who wants to be with you wherever you are. Fabulous stuff. Uh, look, another one that's going to take us a little bit off track here, perhaps. Uh, another caller who didn't want to talk on air uh, left a note uh, and is a, in a married situation 
I'm throwing you in the deep end here, John. A question without any notice at all. A person who's in a married situation where the spouse has children to a previous marriage, the grown children are now interfering in the marriage and this spouse is being sidelined. <laughs> this is a little bit off, off track here, but question here, what can they do? This is really relevant for today. And what we'll find is in this COVID crisis that it, just an added stress of the COVID is going to make these things uh, worse. Uh, the critical th- conversation which needs to occur here is between yourself and your spouse, the couple. Uh, and uh, who is most important? Um, is it the marriage uh, uh, partnership or is it the parent-child one? And that is such a hard question and not a simple one to answer. Um, yeah, absolutely. The right bottom line answer is the marriage is more important. But hey, what if the marriage is not going well? What if uh, the kids are really struggling with what's happening? It's a very hard one uh, to, to deal with. But my real uh, response is, talk with each other, uh, uh, go and find a marriage counsellor um, to actually help you to work this out uh, so that you can see each other's point of view, connect with each other, understand each other, and then respond in the best way, which will then help the kids. Again, this whole temptation to be able to spruik into the circumstances and uh, have some sort of uh, pat answer to everybody else's problems. Being careful regarding what you can and can't do uh, in your own uh, situation, whether it's your own family or extended family or people in the workplace, uh, there's a caution there, isn't there, John? This whole uh, uh, thing of what I can and can't do is such a powerful uh, way of thinking and encourage you to uh, just even write down what are the things at the moment which you're struggling with? What are the things which you can do about those things? What can't you do? And to pray to know the difference between those uh, and really focus on the things which you can do, work on those, is such a powerful cognitive strategy for change. Let's take another call. Matthew is on the line from Innisfail in North Queensland. Hi, Matthew. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Matthew. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, being autistic, I, I do find it hard to get help in the church, but it is... But I am getting there. Great. And uh, any, um, anything more in your circumstance? Uh, how do you, how uh, well, how have you found it hard? Okay, uh, my journey is very unique. I've moved from Adelaide to Innisfail to marry my wife. We're both autistic, and autistic people don't generally get out of their comfort zone, let alone marry. I just want to encourage people that there is help out there, even though at times it's hard to find. But God has definitely got me through all this. And even though you don't feel as though there's a lot of help in your church, just going to church because you're connecting with God, does that make a difference? Oh, it makes a huge difference. I wouldn't be able to do half the things I've done in my life without God. <laughs> uh, John Warlow, what are your thoughts for Matthew? Matthew, fantastic to hear you up there in Innisfail. Uh, yeah, and um, ASD, the core feature of that is a challenge really in empathy and be able to uh, socially, emotionally uh, relate in a two-way 
a direction with someone else. And so it is just exciting to hear from you, Matthew, about you. You're married to someone with ASD. You both know it. You both can work on it. And wow, li- listen to that, how that you couldn't have done it without God and that God has actually um, got right there uh, I- I- into your heart. And that's just such a lovely thing to hear, Matthew. Bless you for ringing. Matthew, well, we've got you on the line. And uh, and this is interesting because, you know, you've, uh, you're have you autistic and you're uh, marrying your wife. Uh, she's also on that spectrum. Uh is it helpful? I'll just get John's thoughts here. Is it helpful to know uh, that you've got uh, an issue that you've got to be able to contain, uh, to be able to manage, to be able to deal with? And uh, you actually might be in a stronger position, Matthew, than people who've got no idea what's happening to them right now. So, yeah, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, Matthew's d- done it exactly right. He just comes out and says, hey, I'm, I've got ASD. My wife's got ASD. We both know it. Facing is one of the biggest ways of coping. Facing is one of the biggest ways of coping nowadays. And and Matthew, what you're doing and uh, leading the charge here is helping people, hey, face your situation. Look, don't just look out, but look in as well. Yeah, look to the church, but also be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. And in facing them, uh, then change can uh, and growth can happen. Uh, let me ask you another question, Matthew, while we've got you on the on the line. And uh, you said you're not getting that much help from your church, but you yeah, have a connection to God. Uh, what difference, is there a way you can describe what happens when you are a part of your local church, when you do connect with God, knowing that you're going through your own challenges? Okay, well, part of my experience is I'm a qualified school chaplain, which is unusual in itself. Um, I just have a hard time opening up to people. That's my biggest issue, <laughs> and trusting people because of my walk. And uh, but you've obviously done some study, and uh, you've even felt a calling on your life uh, to pursue this idea of being a school chaplain, and uh, and that is in itself is uh, you know you've heard from God in that sense. Hey, Matthew, you're a legend. Here you are. You have problems trusting and opening up. Those are core heart-related issues, and you're facing them, and you know them. And then, uh, yeah, this qualifies you much more, even in the context of these struggles, to reach out and be there. Be there for the kids who struggle to trust, who struggle to relate, who struggle to open up. Um, just so good. Go for it, Matthew. Love it to hear from you. Matthew, it sounds to me like you have discovered that God is the strength that makes up for your own weaknesses. And I uh, want to thank you so much for your call today. Let's take another call. Irene is on the line from South Australia. Hello, Irene. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. What are your thoughts, Irene? Um, um, I was just uh, wondering if you could please tell me, Doctor. Um, I have a granddaughter that is 20 years of age and she suffers with bipolar. And uh, when she has her episode, she goes into isolation and uh, we don't hear from her. And it's a real concern for the fact that, you know, we know she has been suicidal in the past. She has recently um, got a new job and... um, we had mentioned to her that it would maybe be a good thing to to let her boss know, um, but she's yeah she was a little hesitant. I um, mean she had when I say she started this new job, she's probably been in there for a year now and loving it. Um, but yes, so you know, is it a good thing to let your bosses know or 
you know, I mean, I, I think there's maybe a bit of a fear that, you know, it would hinder her. Um, I don't know, but I Are think it, it might relieve her a little bit. Yeah, Irene, really good question and not a clear answer on, on the one hand. Um, uh, on the other hand, I think the, it, the best thing, my advice would be this. Um, so good that she's got a grandmother like you, by the way. As a, uh, uh, There she is as a 20-year-old bipolar. One of the uh, Bipolar carries the highest su- suicide rate uh, with it as a mental health condition. And to have connection with her as you do is so good. It's just fantastic that she's loving that job. And I, I think what my recommendation is, as with the book, is to do the cure with her. Walk the steps with her. And as you do, connect with her. Uh, just get that connection. And often connection for a 20-year-old is fun. But when she starts to talk about herself with you, then you know that you're going on to that next step of understanding. And when when she's doing that, then let her make that decision. And you can ask her then these qu- qu- these questions. Not only, hey, how is it for you? At, yeah, how is it for you at work? And then you can ask the question, what are the, it's a problem-solving question, really. What are the pros and cons? maybe of telling your um, telling your boss this let her be in the driving seat uh, you can be in the passenger seat just be with her and as you connect and under- connect with and understand her she will be able to be so much more empowered and will ha- be able to do the right thing because it might not be the right thing to tell the boss <laughs> because of the whole thing of stigma and mental health uh, which we carry now such a good question Irene thank you Mm. Okay, thank you for that. You know, when you were saying about that cure, um, it walking alongside, um, I think, yeah, I've got a tendency to want to suggest, um, and, and my fear when she goes into the isolation, um, you know, I want to, I want to be out there. I want to hear from her. It, it, it is a, a fear for the fact that she's not plugged into God and, you know, she, she, she believes, but she's not plugged in. So, um, you know, there is that. Yeah, concern. Absolutely, and the whole issue of... And and she's turned into drink, she's turned into alcohol. I mean, when we went out last, she, you know, she'd had a few drinks and then she took, she bought a bottle to take home. And, of course, we mentioned that, you know, it's not a good thing. It's easy to fall onto, you know, to sleep because she does have sleeping issues. Um, yes, and isn't it interesting, uh, Irene, as you're sharing that, because we can use those words bipolar and uh, in an earlier conversation, autistic, uh, but when all of these uh, issues develop, that's where we really notice that there's a help that's needed here. Uh, a quick last word from you, John. Yeah, thank you. And um, for anyone, uh, if we're coping by alcohol or isolation, really face that. And sleep is important, particularly with bipolar mood disorder, but make sure you keep your sleep up everyone uh sleep well (laughs) okay and irene thank you so much for your call and uh, we'll have to draw a line under any other calls from there been a great conversation once again today john and and uh, i think let's just we'll have to come to those books you've mentioned them uh, and the cure for life and you say cure c u r e it was uh, connect understand before you respond and then engage <laughs> other help and if it's if you've got a gp or anyone else that's fantastic and uh, don't be afraid of the gp if you're doing that self diagnosis the scale 0 to 10 and you're under 3 uh, you're saying uh, the gp is the 
one who can be the orchestra uh, conductor and can help uh, get to the right help. And uh, don't neglect your local church. And even if your local church is not equipped, get to church, be part of your church, because in doing so, you're connecting with God. Bringing God into your circumstance means that you're not alone in the challenge, in the struggle that you're going through. The Cure for Life Part 1 is about God-centered transformation. The Cure for Life Part 2 is about God-centered relationships. And uh, Cure for Life Part 3 is on the way, and we will be talking about that uh, when that book is published too. Dr. John Warlow, adult child and family psychiatrist. There is a website you can go to, drjohnwarlow.com. drjohnwarlow.com. John Always such a great insight to have you on 2020. Thanks so much for your update today. Proud to be a part of Vision, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.